how could I have said this prayer so many times, holding my sister's clammy hand? Welcome to the Still Christian Podcast, where we retrace our steps through evangelical culture, finding a new way forward without abandoning our faith. I'm Sarah. I'm Katie. And we're Still Christian. This week, we are talking about our experience of church. And when you say our experience of church, what do you mean, Sister Katie? Mm. Big C or little C? I mean both Cs. This is a double C episode. We are talking about our experience of the actual church building, going to church, going to a service. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors. Here's See all the people. All the people. See all the people. But we're also talking about our experience of church in a, as maybe the global church or the larger body of Christ right. in the world and throughout time. So buckle your seatbelt. For those who don't know, riveting fact, Sarah here grew up Catholic. And so she's a church expert. Just kidding. I think I have shared about my Catholic experience in the past a bit, but I would like to just kick things off for us with sharing my first memories in the church because it was quite a stark contrast going from Mm -hmm. Catholic mass to non-Catholic mass. And honestly, I, you know, I was baptized in the Catholic church. My great aunt was a nun. So it's been, it was so ingrained in me. It was just always there. I don't have a first memory, I would say, but I just remember, you know, wooden pews, not being allowed to talk. My sisters and I, when you say the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer, you have to hold hands. And my one sister, I won't say which in case she's listening. I don't want to offend her. Love you, sis. When we had to hold hands, her hands were always clammy. And so I didn't want to. And so I would kind of do like a, like, and we we used to say they were like a dead fish. It just was like awkward. So when we got home, my very Catholic father made us sit and hold hands with each other as our penance. For how long? I don't remember, but there was definitely a timer involved. Wow, I'm so sorry. You didn't know that about me? No, I didn't know. And I think I know which sister you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Which one seems like she has the clammiest hands? I won't tell you. (laughs) But then in contrast, when I went to a non-Catholic church. How old were you the first time you went to a non-Catholic church? Probably 13, 14, 15. And why did you go? Like, did someone invite you? Yes. Our mutual friend, Diana. Bless her. I believe, yes, I believe our friend Diana invited me and mm-hmm. her church was, what is it called? United Brethren in Christ, I think. But I'm going to offend someone because there's a difference between United Brethren and Brethren in Christ and yeah. the Christian Brethren. I don't know. Anyway, I don't think they held hands. I'm pretty sure. Hmm. There was no, like people were wearing jeans and singing songs and like, you know, with guitars and stuff and, and anyone could walk up onto the quote unquote stage. Whereas in Catholic mass, it was the altar and like, you really Mm -hmm. don't touch it, things like that. It was just a very, very different experience that was kind of wild for me. And did you keep going? With her? Yeah, I did. I did keep going um, because that's where I felt like I was actually encountering God. Why? What do you think about it? That church experience made you feel like you could encounter God more easily there than in the Catholic, your Catholic church? Well, it seemed, I mean, granted, this is my like 13 or 14 year old perspective. It seemed like people were there out of their own accord and not because they were forced mm-hmm. to go. Whereas with Catholics, you are supposed to go every single week. Yeah. And so for me, between that and the fact that I grew up in it, it did feel very forced and it didn't mm-hmm. feel very personal. So I think it just felt more personal in this um, Protestant church. 
more mm. casual in the sense of like approachable. God felt more approachable mm. and less, you know, it's an interesting, we could get into a whole talk on theology with this if we wanted to, because it was more about God being approachable and less about the reverence, at least from my perspective, which yeah, is not, you know, necessarily accurate, but that's the way that it felt. And that is the way that I would say God interacted with me at the time. I'm imagining that as a child. I mean, I don't, I, I know you and I went to an Anglican church together in college, but as a kid, I imagine being able to approach God with a more childlike posture would have been nice versus being asked to act like an adult in a service. True. Yeah, definitely. I'd be very interested to talk to people who, for example, grew up in the Catholic church and really genuinely love God. Yeah. Then I do remember meeting one, um, I think when I was a teenager and I was forced to go on a Catholic uh, high school retreat. And there was a guy that was a few years older than me who really was like very passionate about his faith. And I just remember being so confused. Like I didn't think Mm -hmm. that you could be Catholic and actually love God. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's a big statement. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It really is. Is it because there wasn't as much of an emphasis on like a personal relationship with God? I think so. And because, and maybe, you know, it was the way I was parented as well that it was, I always kind of like, I mean, I said a minute ago, my very Catholic dad, like it was more of a, an authoritarian, what am I trying to say? Because I also am trying to be really, I'm trying to be really mindful of not dishonoring my dad, you know? Because he is great. Well, maybe more about behavior. Anywho, we could talk. I feel like we could have an entire long discussion about Sarah growing up Catholic. And I don't mean to hijack this entire episode with that. (laughs) So let me just popcorn to Katie. Tell me about your some of your earliest memories in church. Because you grew up right from birth going to church. Yes, I did. I was baptized as an infant, sprinkled in the Presbyterian church. And then I got baptized a little bit later when I was when I became a Christian, which is like five or six. But I remember growing up in Sunday school and wearing dresses that sometimes came with hats. You know how sometimes at the store like a oh. hat would be attached to the dress, like kind of like an Easter hat or something. <laughs> Yeah. Feels very 90s. It was. So I grew up in Sunday school in the South or in Kentucky. And so that I think probably had a different flair than, you know, a Sunday school in California or something. But basically, I remember just loving it and like learning a bunch of songs with hand motions. And then after church, my sister and I would come home and like perform the songs that we learned on the fireplace for my parents. Um, I remember going to vacation Bible school. I remember getting this little ceramic white cross with like a blue ribbon wrapped around it at the end of go at the end of some kind of vacation Bible school week. And I just like treasured that ceramic cross that was probably made in China by the thousands in unfair working conditions. But I just thought it was like the most beautiful thing. And I remember as like a literally like a three or four year old just holding it with like such reverence. So yeah, I very much was like into the church culture as a as a kid. I do think that at least in my experience of growing up that Protestant churches did a lot more in terms of engaging kids. Like you said a second ago about my experience growing up Catholic was kind of like being asked to do adult things or pretend mm-hmm. that I'm an adult. And I think it is kind of sad that in the time that I was growing up in the Catholic church, there wasn't really anything for kids, at least not in the way you're mm-hmm. describing, which probably is what made non-Catholic churches so appealing. When like right. there's all the things you said, I think there are plenty of Catholic churches doing it now, yeah. or even if they're not, they, they can. 
Yeah. So Sarah's earliest experience of church was, how would you describe it? I would say my earliest experiences of church were about my behavior and not Mm -hmm. really about who God was, especially in relation to who I was. That makes sense. So my earliest experience of church was warm, loving, goldfish, crackers. Sometimes there were prizes and there was a big emphasis on being good, but it was always connected to the character and love of God. So I remember growing up really wanting to be good and well-behaved because that's what God wanted and God loved me. So that, that connection was somehow made and I'm, I'm grateful for that. So church and college, my biggest wounds came about in middle school and high school from the church. I would, I would say the same. And that's a lot of what we're talking about in this podcast is like some of the like weird right. stuff that happened, especially in middle school and high school. But I think because that's the subject of this podcast, we're going to talk about when church became more of a choice. And also where our roads kind of intersected because right. we did become friends in college and church was a part of that. So how did we find Grace Church? How did that happen to us in college? I th- I feel like it was a little hipster church, maybe. was It, a little it was like? a hipster church. It was yes. like very trendy to go there, but then it ended up being like a great trend. <laughs> right. But the church itself wasn't trendy. It was old and <laughs> Anglican. It was just all the people we knew who walked around in tweed that loved going there and like smoking their pipes and stuff. Yeah. Whatever got us there, I don't know what it was exactly other than maybe following the perceived cool kids. But what kept us there, at least for me, was that the preaching was really solid. I hate saying that, but like, I mean it. The preaching was solid. The pastor, I don't know. I mean, silly things like he was funny and interesting and he crafted a sermon well that was like engaging to listen to. But I would say he shared the gospel every Sunday. So no matter what he was talking about, the name of the church was Grace. And I feel like for good reason, because every Sunday he tied in the idea of grace and this idea that we are in need, but we're not worthy. And yet by the grace of God, Jesus has saved us in every single week. And maybe also it was the time in my life. I mean, we need that. I think we need to know that all the time, but I feel like I was hearing it for the first time. And it was every single Sunday. What are your memories of hearing those sermons? Do you Would you kind of recap that in the same way? I remember almost nothing about the sermons. I think what stood out to me the most was I believe that he would sometimes cry or get emotional when he was preaching. Maybe I'm wrong, but seeing that he was actually connected to what he was sharing with us, like personally invested, made me really lean in. But the thing that sort of captivated me and still does was was the more formal liturgy. Because at the time in college, college was awesome, but it was also, you know, I experienced a season of just deep depression and anxiety. And so coming back to those prayers every week that I could read that would anchor me um, was such a grounding experience to to say these prayers that were hundreds of years old that people around the world are praying every Sunday. Yeah, that was just so centering for me. And I loved when they would walk down, maybe it was, the, it was the beginning or end of church, but with the cross, carrying the cross down the center aisle, I thought that was so beautiful. Um, so that, yeah, that was the first time I saw a church that was more sacramental maybe, or kind of like the Catholic church a little bit. Oh, 100%. I mean, they do the processional uh, at the beginning and end of mass in a Catholic church, liturgy, a hundred percent. The funny thing, I, I never knew this about you, that that was what really like stood out to you. So I'm glad we're talking yeah. about this because 
for me, I loved the preaching and I hated the liturgy because it reminded me Mm. so much of growing up Catholic. And I would just kind of like do it or I would be like, kind of like prideful in it. Like, listen, guys, I know the words. I don't need to look at the program. (laughs) And then like the words would be a little bit different. And I'd be like, oh, they're saying it wrong. Like I just remember (laughs) being like, so in my own head about that. But I will never forget looking over at a a guy that I knew during the Lord's Prayer. And I think he had caught my eye because like his head was bowed or he was like using his hands or something like that. He was praying mm-hmm. the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. And he was really into it. He had closed his eyes during the Lord's Prayer like he actually meant oh, it. Wow. And I was wow. so confused. How could I have said this prayer so many times, holding my sister's clammy hand and just like mindlessly reciting it? And it really changed my perspective, or at least it started to. And I very slowly started to see the beauty in the liturgy. When when I first started going to the church, I hated it. I was like, honestly, I'd be happy if I could show up late and mm-hmm. just hear the sermon and then leave or do the music too. Mm-hmm. I liked the music. but. It really, I think, ended up being a redeeming experience for me and helped me see, you know, for so long, I blamed growing up Catholic for a lot of things, including like not knowing as many Bible verses as my friends or not knowing how to pray or this or that. And I never really saw the beauty in it. I never really saw the value in it. And I feel like going to that church invited me to to be grateful for what God had given me and the story that he was crafting yeah. for me like a reframe for your experience to see exactly some of those elements in a new way. When you shared your experience of seeing the guy praying the Lord's Prayer, it just struck me like that's that's why we go to church. Like we actually need to see other people's faith to strengthen mm-hmm. our own. And we need to hear, I need to hear other voices singing besides my own and other voices praying besides my own and other people kneeling or lifting their hands. Keeping the faith, our faith in this world I think would be impossible if you were just alone. We we so need each other, but we also, the problem with church is we hurt each other and we think mm-hmm. we have the answers and we sin and we mess up. And a lot of times we call that God. And so, yeah, of course people are leaving, but I think, I think leaving isn't the, like there needs to be something else. Can I ask you something? You said we mm-hmm. sin and we mess up and we call that God. Do you mean, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah, I recognize that was confusing. I mean, a lot of times we hurt each other in the name of God. We say, this is what God wants, or this is who God doesn't want to come to church versus, you know, like church, you've heard this metaphor before, should be a hospital. But a lot of times church doesn't, isn't made to be a safe place to, to be broken. And we think that we have to be all put together to come to church, to honor God and to not show anyone else our dark parts. But there's there's nothing more lonely than showing up at church and putting on a mask. Like that is just the worst thing. So I totally get, I mean, I didn't go to church during my divorce because I just couldn't show up and like pretend that it was okay. And I didn't want to just break down every single Sunday. I kind of wish I had, but I, to be honest, I didn't really like the church my family was going to. Like it really annoyed me. And I thought that it would just weaken my faith. And so I do think there are seasons where withdrawing from church is completely okay and even like necessary and good to kind of be able to reconnect with God. But I also have come to believe that we need each other to point to God. I need you specifically to show me who God is. And if you're not there on Sunday, then I'm, I'm missing out on an expression of God. 
What do you think it took for you to come to this understanding? When did church become a- about the community and not mm-hmm. about you encountering God? Right. Well, I started dating someone who worked, who was interning at a church, Drew, my husband, um, and then became the worship pastor at that church. So that that experience so I'll back up and say that during my first marriage, um, the pastor knew that my husband and I were struggling largely due to my husband's infidelity. But I thought that my husband, for the past, last final year of our marriage, I thought everything was fine. Apparently, our pastor knew more than I knew about my husband's unfaithfulness. And so when I found out that he who he was counseling us, but he knew this like big secret of my husband's that he wasn't telling me. I just felt incredibly disgusted and betrayed. And I don't know why he felt he needed to keep my husband's secret when my husband wasn't his quote unquote client. We were the client together. We were the parishioners, not my husband. And so it felt like it was this men protecting men from something I think that pastor had also struggled with and was ashamed of and so kept my husband's secret. So left that church and then left church for a good while. And then when I was ready to start dating again, I met Drew and I went to a really lovely, healthy church in Seattle where both the husband and wife who ended up marrying me and Drew uh, were pastors. And I remember going to breakfast with them one morning because they just wanted to get to know me better, especially because I think they saw Drew in their future and knew that I would probably be part of that. But I remember telling them the story of my last church experience and of my husband cheating on me and the pastor knowing about it and not telling me. And um, the male pastor of that couple just started crying. And I remember seeing like, I was looking down at my eggs and I looked up and I saw tears in his eyes and I was like, okay, I can trust church again. Here's someone who is willing, doesn't even know me that well, but is grieving, genuinely grieving over past church harm, not making excuses for the pastor, but saying, no, that was wrong and that wasn't God. That kind of just restored my faith in in the possibility that church could be safe and life-giving. it is important to know that we both at one time officially stopped going to church after having gone for so many years. Before I kind of launch into like my story of that of stopping going to church, I just want to address how beautiful your story was. I mean, mm-hmm. redemption. But I remember that from your wedding, wasn't it all things new? Is that the phrase yeah. you guys had everywhere? Mm-hmm. Yeah, And just this idea of redemption. And I remember that so vividly from your wedding. It was such a blessing to be, not just to attend, but to be part of it. I mean, when I was one of your bridesmaids. Mm-hmm. And just this this story of God taking a really sad and ugly situation yeah. and redeeming it and mm-hmm. making it something beautiful and something new. And including like not just our relationship, but our relationship with church was made new, which is such a such a grace because I was really not liking church for a long time. Really not into it. Right. Couldn't see the point. Right. So how did you, how did you find yourself at the point where so it's after college, you're kind of on your own. What made you leave church for a while? Yeah. After we graduated college, I moved to New York City and having been a Christian for so long, 
the very natural way to find community was to go to a church. And so I went to Tim Keller's church, Redeemer, because our college was obsessed with Tim Keller. And (laughs) and I could just like brag about it to anyone. And they'd be like, oh my gosh. Um, And I I had some really great experiences there. I ended up after maybe like a year leaving that church, not on any sort of bad terms, but it was a little far from home. And I realized I was also in a time of life where I really needed accountability and I wasn't getting accountability. Like I would go hang out with my non-Christian boyfriend Mm -hmm. and he would literally walk me to church and then leave. And like no one knew. And not, I mean, I was about to say like, not that you can't date a non-Christian, but like that's the story for another day. But the point is I was living my life in a way that I shouldn't have been. And that was not healthy for me. And no one in the church knew because it was really easy to hide it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was a big church. It's a huge church. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So kind of through a friend of a friend of a friend, I found out about this other church that I don't think I'm going to name just like to kind of honor them. But I found out about this other church. I went one day and immediately felt like I was at home. Like I just remember this idea of home. It's Mm -hmm. like, this is where I was supposed to be. I was still living in a kind of rebellious time, a dark time, but I very much felt God gently bringing me back to him. Mm. And I had people that didn't even know me. They cared about me. I remember a friend of mine, I, you know, we weren't really friends at the time, but I remember him sitting near me and this was not a romantic thing at all. It was very Mm. much like a friend thing during a worship song or something like that. He kind of like came right next to me and was like, can I pray for you? Is is everything okay? And like, he could just tell, like, I'm sure that God just kind of nudged him in some way in my direction. And I remember just feeling like God sees me right now and he wants to be with me right now, even though he knows I am not obeying him right now. That's beautiful. So needless to say, I had a great experience at that church in a lot of ways. Ended up meeting my husband there, ended up getting into leadership there. We were there for like a good six years and then the pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. And somewhere along the way, probably as we started getting into leadership, as we were growing spiritually and we we needed more, you know, kind of like the spiritual milk versus solid food Mm -hmm. thing from what is that? Second Peter, First Peter, Twenty Seventh Peter. Could be anything. You know what I'm referring know. to, though. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we really, my husband and I both were really trying to invest in the church. I started a welcome dinner ministry that oh. when you came to the church, I would find you after service and be like, "Hey." We're having a dinner, you know, next Wednesday and we want you to come to get to know people. I was in charge of the children's ministry and kind of like revamped it. We had t-shirts. That's significant. That's huge. (laughs) Peterson was in charge of the deacons and kind of revamped that. We started a Bible study that very much had the pastor's blessing and everything. And there were a lot of great things, but it also very much was like, if we don't do it, it's not going to happen. Right. And if it's not going to happen, we're not going to grow. Right. And I think there's a lot. Th- this is a whole nother discussion. But our experience was that we felt very strongly that we had to stop going to that church because we were not growing. Mm. And again, I don't know that that's the conclusion, the appropriate conclusion for everyone. But that is very much what we felt was where things yeah. were headed. That all happened around the time of the pandemic. So we stopped going to church at this point, about three years ago, it was like May 2020. 
And when I say going to church, that means like we stopped listening to their YouTube sermons because nothing was in person at the time. Yeah. We started listening to some other sermons and feeling like, oh, like this is what we want. This is the preaching we want. This is the growth that we want. And then we also had a baby. So things just got like kind of jumbled and it was hard because it was the pandemic. And eventually we were like, it's just too much work. We'll be okay for a little bit. But then of course that became the norm. Right. And I remember one time we went back to church to this new place when people were very much still wearing masks. And I mean, in New York, but we started, we went back one time and we had a two-year-old and I just remember thinking the whole time, I don't want to talk to anyone because I'm afraid of getting sick mm-hmm. and I was pregnant <laughs> and we have a two-year-old. And so my entire attention in this church service is focused on keeping him quiet. Right. And it was so overwhelming and so unenjoyable that again, we were like, Ugh, like we tried, but like, this isn't working. So fast forward about a year and we started going again and it's just been a weird experience ever since. <laughs> it's been, it's been Like the, it the church been weird that we're attending. The church is weird. It's been weird going. The church that we're attending I think is probably wonderful. It seems like they have a robust and healthy community. We really, you know, respect and appreciate the quality of the preaching. Um, but we have two little kids. I mean, we, I would say even we have one little kid and one baby and it's just really, it's hard. It's hard to pay attention. Mm-hmm. You know, this is me speaking from a very specific stage of life though. Right. A specific stage of life and with a specific background experience. When we first started going to this church, my husband and I kind of agreed, we're not going to, we don't want to talk to anyone. We're not here to make friends. Like we, because we did that so much at the other church and it just felt exhausting to try and build a whole new community all over again. So why were you going? Yeah. Why were we going? I think probably a little bit out of obligation, a little bit of nostalgia and a little bit out of hopefulness. Mm. I think that's probably a lot of people right now. But it never used to be that way. Well, what what do you think? Do you know? Like total burnout from your last church experience? Definite, definite burnout from our last church mm-hmm. experience. And yeah. also it, just like really specific logistical things. It's like the service is 1030 to 1130. It takes a good 15 minutes to walk home. So at the earliest we get home at 1145 and our kid goes on for a nap at noon and we need to eat yeah. lunch with him. Oh, yeah. So it's like, we're like running out the door, hoping he doesn't fall asleep in the stroller. You know, it's just like, again, yeah. it's a very specific stage of life mm-hmm. thing. This is not a stab to the church in any way. Honestly, I would love to have a conversation with the pastor about this, but I remember a couple months ago, there was a sermon about the Sabbath and he was talking about the Sabbath and basically the idea of like, you should make sure, I don't know that he said specifically like one day a week that you devote to the Sabbath, but like Mm -hmm. sometime every week or whatever. And I just remember thinking like, I don't, I have children, like (laughs) little, very needy children, which for anyone that might doubt it, like it is the best thing. It's it's the best season of my life I've ever had by far. I love it. But it's very, very demanding and there are literally no days off. And so the idea of a Sabbath, I think, needs a whole new definition for the parent of young children. And and the same, I think, could be said for what does church community look like? Because for me, if we wanted to become members of this church, I'm pretty sure the expectation is that we would serve regularly. And I'm like, no, I can't. (laughs) I I don't want to, but also I literally can't. 
And it's not a matter of priority. It's a matter, well, I mean, it is to an extent, like my priority is my family right now. And I think that's appropriate. But for us personally, we stopped going to church for reasons that I think weren't super surprising to me, but we haven't gone back or recommitted for reasons that I did not expect, Hmm. which are just being parents of young kids. I think all this talk about being involved and not involved just makes me wonder what should church be at its core? Should it be as simple as knowing and being known by each other, by God? If that is it, just knowing and being known, like I'm just going to let myself be known. I'm going to try to get to know others and I'm going to do my best to get to know God. Like, what if that's all that's required? I guess I'm wondering, like, what do you, and this is not a, this isn't like a, what do you want? This is genuinely like, what do you wish church was? Cause I know there's parents at our church too, who are just find coming exhausting. Like it's this huge hassle to even just show up at church, let alone engage. I think that for most people in general, but I think especially parents of young kids, it's just such an overwhelming time of life. Mm-hmm. And there's so many layers to feeling potentially guilty as a parent, that even if no one is giving you that dirty look of like, you're 45 minutes late to church, you feel like they will. Yeah. Yeah. And I know for me, I often find myself on the defensive Mm -hmm. because I'm like, if you only knew how hard it was to get this kid to put his coat on or whatever, you know? Yeah. And so what do I wish? I mean, they're already doing a pretty good job, Mm -hmm. I think, in terms of not being rude to us. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think maybe it's me. Hmm. I think maybe I need to be more open or something because I'm really, I'm not opposed to talking people, talking Mm -hmm. to people. I was in the beginning, but I think I've kind of come around now, even like having the weight of a young child's eyes on me and seeing how I interact with other people keeps me accountable to Mm -hmm. a degree. Wow. Yeah. But it's, it's pretty, you know, it's complex. I I feel like I'm actively, my flashlight is turned on. I'm walking in the dark trying to figure this out and I haven't given up. I am still a Christian, but I don't have the answer yet. So to wrap up this conversation, I'd love to hear, Sarah, how are you finding a new way forward with church or a new way to think about church um, through your current experience of, of local church? I don't know that I am. I think I'm trying. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, in our tagline, we're finding a new way forward without abandoning our faith. To me, that implies like, listen, guys, we found it. Here it <laughs> we is. Did not. You know, <laughs> but I don't know why I always like think of it that way. Yeah. And which is really not true or accurate, but I think we have clarity mm-hmm. in, in certain things for sure. Church is not one of those things for me. And I feel like I am actively... I was about to say clawing my way forward. And I don't know that that's wrong. (laughs) It's a little aggressive and scary. It's just a very genuine, like, we're doing this. Mm -hmm. I am a Christian and Christians go to church and I'm not miserable doing it. I'm just kind of confused. And I'm also in a very new stage of life. And so even if I had been going to church this whole time, I might still be going through this to some degree. So I feel like I am actively finding a new way forward and I have not abandoned my faith. And I always Mm -hmm. have thought, of my faith very much as a gift from God. It's one of the fruits of the spirit, right? So I think some people, maybe it's more like at the at the forefront of their character than other people, or it comes more naturally. And I think for me, that is one of the things that is like very present 
in my life um, and kind of always has been. Mm. So here I am. I still very much am a Christian. I still have faith. I just yeah. don't quite know what to do about church yet. I'm still trying to figure that out. Do you feel like that's okay? I, I guess so. It's not what I would prefer. And it also mm-hmm. feels like if we're recording a podcast about church, I should have some things figured out. No, I think it's actually really refreshing that you don't. Do you have any final thoughts to add about your own experience or anything? Just that when we get hurt by local church, it's really easy to draw negative conclusions about the global church or church in general. At least it is for me. But I think what I'm just starting to learn is that church is is people. And I think putting our faith in an institution made up of people, you will always be hurt or disappointed in some way. But when you think about church as being so much bigger than your individual experience, definitely still including your individual experience. And I I think it opens up greater planes of freedom for engaging your local church. I guess what I'm saying is I think we need to hold both ideas of church together in tension because church as Christ intended it to be, meaning the body of believers around the world versus church, what that we've made it to be like, those are not always the same thing. And we can't really throw out either one. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Still Christian Podcast. And until next time, Hail Mary, full of grace, help me find a parking space. (laughs) 